Welcome to the Building PA Podcast, the voice of the construction industry throughout Pennsylvania. Here are your co-hosts, Chris Martin and John O'Brien. Hello, and welcome to the Building PA Podcast. I am co-host John O'Brien, coming to you from the Quandle Studio right here in central Pennsylvania. Joined, as always, by fellow co-host and podcast uh, superstar here, Chris Martin. Chris, what's going on, man? How are we doing today? Hey, John. How are you? Good. I'm doing all right. A little under the weather, a little... uh, little bug you know the kids passed it around the kids were very nice to dad and gave dad the bug so aren't they just loving that's nice we're a sharing family that is nice i uh fortunately in my house it hasn't come around yet so stay away hopefully it won't come back (laughs) you know but hi everyone welcome to the building pa podcast as john mentioned my name is chris martin and i am the president of atlas marketing and you've heard me say it before so i i gotta say i have to say it again we tell stories for, for companies that build things. And we're here today talking about healthy work environments, right, John? Yes. We're going to travel down the road and uh, talk healthy work environments. And, and that's going to make you feel better because it's it's going to, we're going to like osmosis yes. give you this healthiness that you're going to feel so good today, right? Yes. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. That's the goal. Before we uh, jump to our, our guest, today's star. Just want to thank Barry Isaac, the sponsor of the podcast series, The Healthy Work Environments. So they really stepped it up and they want to promote healthy work environments across Pennsylvania. And we're all for that. So we want to keep promoting healthy work environments. And that's exactly what we're going to do today. Yes. Thank you, Barry Isaac. So today we're joined by Lisa Nakamura, VP Human Resources at PJ Dick Trumbull Lindy Group. Hello, Lisa. How are we doing today? Great. Greetings from Pittsburgh. It's good to see you both. So you ready for this journey? Journey down a healthy work environment road? Absolutely. I love talking about this. So thanks uh, for having me on the show and for letting us talk about what we're doing here at PJ Dick Trumbull and the Lindy Group. That is, And we're glad to have you today. And so why don't we dive in? When when we talk about healthy work environments, can can you kind of help us, Lisa, you know, set Set the bar here. When we're talking about healthy work environments, what does that mean to you? So we are a family-owned company, and you know our values really circle around and center around safety, quality, family, integrity, and community. Those are our values and how we really compass ourselves. And a big part of that, as you can hear, is with family and community. And so when we look at our employees and we think about health, we're really thinking about the total employee. And we recognize that there's a lot to our people beyond just the person that starts each day, drives up in the pickup truck, pulls into the garage, you know, logs into their computer. And, you know, there's there's more to our employees than just that person. They're coming from their own personal lives, their own personal stories, their own set of personal stressors and experiences. So we've been working very closely with our teams to really be looking at the total person, whether that's through mental health and stress management support, through our um, employee assistance program. We do a lot with our wellness programs and and are expanding into a total well-being program. So we're really trying to focus very much, particularly as we come out of this time, you know, post or quasi post, hopefully post pandemic, and but also realizing that for a lot of us, the stressors have continued. Life nowadays, it's always, the pandemic is always the marker, you know, pre-pandemic, you know, post-COVID, you know, how, how has uh, the healthy work environment changed at PJ Dick 
as after the pandemic. Yeah, so we, you know, we obviously had a very active COVID management program. I work in the human resources department and we partnered closely with our safety team, our legal teams, and of course with operations. Coming out of that though, I think what we've what we've realized is that um, even though that one stress, that one very large stress might have been reduced somewhat, um, our folks and our families are still feeling a, a lot of different emotions. And, you know, you have with things going on in our personal lives, you know, compounded by the economy, by supply chain impacts, political situation, you know, the international situation, you know, for some people, things like climate change are are a real stressor. We also realized that to attract and retain talent, we need to be looking at the whole person as well. So we've really been looking at this as a recruitment and a retention opportunity for folks that we're trying to bring in and then have them stay and grow their careers in the same tradition that PJ Dick Trumbull and the Lindy Group has had for decades now. Lisa, that's a, that's a really good point because across the board in the industry, uh, you know, workforce development is such an issue. Finding key employees and, and, and working through that career path and doing those things. I mean, I know we, we even struggle with that too. It's not just construction, but how does the PJ Dick Trumbull Lindy Group help themselves stand apart with that? Because that might be something that's interesting to our, our listeners as well, as it beca- as it pertains to helping people find a career and move in that direction. So I'll talk about two things that I think we've been we've been really focusing on this year. One has been a big focus on our diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging programs. And we realize that when we think about the total person and the total team, because we are a team of people that build amazing things, that's one area that we want to make sure that we're being very forward thinking on. So we're doing a lot with our own teams, with our recruitment and our retention practices, and even in terms of how we're starting to, to very much proactively look down at even the high school level and be encouraging um, high schoolers that they have a lot of different career opportunities ahead of them in construction. So, you know, they might be interested in a four-year degree. They might want a two-year degree. They might be wanting to go into the trades. Uh, we ran a fantastic pilot this um, past June and did a um, construction development and a, um, advancement program camp for students from Western Pennsylvania, from underrepresented um, communities. And we had them come in. They spent a week with us. We took them out on job sites. They did an estimating competition. They did a bridge building competition. And then we've been offering them mentoring. That was a really nice opportunity, both for those um, students and their families, but also for a lot of our folks who found that very rewarding to have that opportunity to work with students and be getting down into that high school level and be offering them mentoring. So I think that's one area that we're, we're really focused on right now. The other one is just how we're approaching talking about things like mental health, stress, getting support. You know, I, I listened to uh, Rich Jones's podcast uh, from U-Turn back, I think that was in um, September as we were coming mm-hmm. out of Suicide Prevention Week, you know, for the construction industry. And, you know, he, he had so many good points there around destigmatizing this, creating the conversation, getting good at asking, you know, how are you? How are you doing? Mm-hmm. Are you okay? Right. And we've we've really been following down that path now for uh, this past year. So we have we've had in place an employee assistance program, um, but we've done some things this year to strengthen it. Um, we've expanded it to um, all of our workers and to their families, including the services that we're providing to our workers and their families. Um, we've made it very accessible, including pocket cards, scannable QR codes. We've done mailings to um, employees' homes, just trying to really get that that dialogue going. We expanded the types of offerings, so we realized that not everybody can go to an in-person appointment. So there's telehealth, there's virtual health, and there are still the in-person meetings. Um, we've also increased so that our employees have access to have a call with a, an attorney 
that's part of our EAP. So let's say, for example, you know, you're getting stressed out because your neighbor's putting up a fence, right? And you're just getting really, really irritated by this. You know, and you're starting to have some issues at home about it. It's starting to stress you out. It's getting contentious with your neighbor. Those things are going to show up at work one way or another. Let's say your child, you know, um, when we think about sort of family dynamics, your child's having a hard time at school and is being bullied. Okay, that's that can weigh on on some folks to the point it's going to show up at work. So we've really tried to start making these um, services available to our employees and our families. And so we're doing it through the mailings and the cards. We've done toolbox talks. We go to our superintendent meetings. We go to all hands meetings. And we're just trying to, again, create that dialogue that it's okay to talk about things before it reaches the sort of crisis mode that we think about a lot in September during Suicide Awareness Month. We're in a tough industry. We know that, right? We, we know that from the numbers. Um, we know that we have one of the highest rates among industry when it comes um, to suicide. And what we're trying to do is just get out in front of that. So we're, we're triaging more as stress starts to build and not once it reaches that point that somebody is experiencing problems with drugs and alcohol, their relationships are falling apart, we have cases of domestic partner violence, or the saddest of all, when somebody decides they just can't do it anymore. Not to, not to get away from, from your last comment there, but I, I liked how you personified an issue, a neighbor's putting up a fence. Like, <laughs> honestly, when you said that, it, was, it, it rung true for me. Like, not that I have any you know, issues with my neighbors, but that is a real issue. You know, there's a, you know, especially now we're going into fall and leaves are everywhere. You know, like it's just something as simple as that where they have somebody has to do extra work is a trigger. And and it I think that really brings it home there with with that example of that. Thank you for that. That's that was that helps. I I haven't heard somebody put it that way. So, yeah, when you contextualize it, you know, it's kind of that sometimes it really can feel like death by a thousand cuts, right? Not that I want to necessarily talk about death in this call, but <laughs> but those types of everyday life frustrations can start to add up. You know, when I've talked with our teams about mental health, about seeking support, you know, I'm very upfront about my own stories. Um, I, I was very fortunate. I, my dad um, was a clinical psychologist, so I was brought up very much in a family that if something doesn't feel good, you talk about it. You know, better out than in, but not everybody has that personal history and upbringing. And so particularly in our industry, you know, we have so much of that kind of like bank it down, grind it through, you'll be okay, don't talk about it, sort of perception Macho. of what it takes yeah. to be in the construction industry. And we're trying to change that, that it's better to talk about it early on and to get it out. And, and part of destigmatizing it is honestly just saying, you know what, we're humans. <laughs> and so we're getting ready to do a a series with a medical professional to talk about what is stress. You know, it doesn't feel good. And here's kind of biologically and anatomically why it doesn't feel good. And welcome to the human race. You know, this is something that all humans are going to feel (laughs) and some ways to handle it. And then we're also going to be doing a parallel of that with um, a special session for managers and supervisors. You know, when you notice that team members are starting to present in a certain way, Maybe they're not sleeping. Maybe they're really short. Maybe they're not paying attention. I mean, those those are all things that can indicate that there's something going on and it's okay to have that conversation with them. In fact, we should be having that conversation with them. There's, you know, there's a huge human element to this. And I, I again, I, I really think that, you know, Rich, Rich had talked about that, but there's also a giant business case for this. You know, when we think about people that are showing up for work in a place of, personal stress, 
distress, pain, whatever that might be, you know, that's going to impact safety. That's going to impact quality. That's going to impact impact productivity, team dynamics, you know, how well we're able to stick to a schedule, what the relationship's going to be with an owner, how we're going to work with one another. And so, you know, there's there's such a business case for doing this and doing it well and not not saying that we that there's anything wrong with in fact it's great to have an EAP, but also to take that another step further and have those dialogues. There's um I was looking at some benchmarking data around the ROI on having a, an EAP and an active, you know, wellness program. And, you know, you get about three to five dollars return for every dollar that you spend on addressing employee health, because, you know, the the downside of not addressing is it's going to show up one way or another in the work that we do and what we're building. I'm glad you mentioned uh, Rich Jones. He's uh, quite the rock star in this area and just wealth of knowledge and awesome guy all around. At the KCA, we actually, since you brought him up, for months, probably a good three, four months, I was creating a lot of mental health resources to get them out to the employers and, and to assist them. And then the podcast that you mentioned, we had Rich on, and then he followed that up with a seminar a week later. I pretty much just canned everything and started from scratch. I'm like, oh my God, where was this guy? You know, so he had, he had such a good guidance, you know, and direction on the topic. And I looked internally at myself and I'm like, I think I'm going the wrong direction with this. So I kind of took took his words of advice and kind of drafted drafted some stuff for us to do. Yeah, very, very insightful. I, I really enjoyed his podcast when it first came out and I, I recently yeah. listened to it again. We're, we're going to be working with a professional. He's actually another clinical psychologist, but he works with prison guards and with people that have life sentences for violent crime. He also works with athletes. He works with the military and really around how do you take these high stress situations and understand what is happening to the human body under those stressors and then be able to manage that, you know, is just part of, 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 you know, routine behaviors in the workplace. So we're looking forward to launching that series as well in 2023. Yeah, your your company, uh, PJ Dick, has always kind of placed a high importance on the condition of the workers and, and the employees in general. And it's kind of top down. I got a, a good a good Cliff Rouse story. I'll talk real quick here. So <laughs> so I used to work at the Master Builders Association uh-huh. in Pittsburgh. And when we were renovating the new headquarters, this is probably winter of 2008 or maybe 2009. Cliff at the time was the current president of the NBA. And he was just driving around. He thought he'd check in the job site. So he pulled in the job site and it was a very, very cold day, freezing day. And and Cliff is walking around and he's like telling the general contractor, which it wasn't PJ Dick, you know, he's telling the general contractor, why is the heat on? We got to get these workers in a comfortable environment to finish this building. It's not even enclosed yet. You know, they're freezing. And the GC said, well, it it's, hasn't been authorized yet. You know, I need I need final approval before turning it on. And Cliff's like, I'll give you the approval. I'm the NBA president. So. <laughs> but he's always looking after the workers and the employees. And, and he's awesome. Awesome like that. But but yeah. I wanted to follow that with a question. How are the employees embracing this shift? Not shift, but this uh, healthy work environment direction? I think it's taken some time. I will say our EAP numbers right now are more than double what they were last year. I take that as a positive sign. I don't take that as anything wrong. I I take that as we're doing what we want to be doing, which is triaging before we get a much more difficult call. You know, I I know that in my role, I've I've only been with the company for three years and a year of that, the past year in um, human resources, but the past year has been one of spending a lot of time talking with employees and making sure that they're getting resources and support. So I think that it is, it is gaining ground. You know, the 
I think there were some concerns initially about confidentiality. You know, this is a very sensitive topic. You know, we very much as a culture don't talk about these things and are uncomfortable talking about them at times. But I think that it's, you know, people are, are recognizing that our EAP is completely confidential. I just see numbers numbers of calls that have come in. I don't have any other demographic other than that. So based on that, I think it's gaining traction and that's what we want to have happen. Lisa, let me ask you this. I mean, everybody, I'm in Soikley, you know, you're in Pittsburgh, John's been in Pittsburgh, everybody, everybody knows the name PJ Dick, Trumbull, Lindy Group. But what if I work for a company that isn't nearly as big and what can smaller companies do to kind of look at and, and, and if, if somebody's sitting there saying, you know what, I'd, I'd love to start an EAP program for my company, like what are some steps that other smaller companies can do because the investment may not be there to support it? Right. Well, I think um, if, if companies are offering insurance, okay, almost all insurance carriers are going to have some sort of assistance program if people are feeling stressed. Um, The insurance companies also recognize that triaging this before there's a big problem makes good business sense. So part of that is to do a little bit of homework, okay, on what the current insurance carrier will offer. Do some training with your managers and supervisors to recognize when team members are exhibiting signs that something might be going on and to get comfortable with having that discussion. I think it's also very important that companies understand and, and really know the, the the requirements and the eligibility for things like Family Medical Leave Act and to understand you know who's eligible for that and when you can offer that to an employee either for their own medical leave or to support a family member who needs um, assistance. And then finally, you know, just having small incentive programs where you can get people to you know, perhaps form a walking club where you go out at lunch or you're going to have, you know, once weekly pick up basketball game, but things that build community that do bring in parts of health and just create a more um, casual environment where, pe- where people can get together are all things that can help sort of, you know, when that pressure relief valve is just about ready to blow, let it blow in a good way and start to form some of those relationships where people might be willing to start talking to each other. Fantastic. Thank you. Thank you. That because awesome. I, I think yeah, that was fantastic. And and I think what you said there at the end, too, about building relationships, whether you're a billion-dollar company or a, a $5,000 company, building relationships with your employees and working together, I think, is the big, from what I heard from you there, is the big takeaway. So thank you for that. I, I do have one other question for you. And you mentioned teletherapy earlier. Mm-hmm. Uh, can you talk a little bit about the results that you're seeing or the response that you're getting around teletherapy? Well, we don't have any, because the information is very confidential, we don't have any necessary hard data on outcomes. What we can see are repeat calls. So that qualitatively tells me that people that are reaching out for either telephone therapy and or say FaceTime, Zoom, you know, we're in teams right now, that sort of meeting, that people are going back and having follow-up appointments. So we can see from the data that okay. there are follow-ups, which does tell me that people are gaining benefit from this. But I don't have any, you know, quantitative data on actual outcomes of whether people are are healed, so to speak. Right. But right. we can see that people, both employees and family members, are taking advantage of the program. We can see that they're um, across genders, that that people are taking advantage of it across our population. And we can also see that by demographic, by age, that there's pretty good distribution across our workforce age-wise that are taking advantage of the programs. That's interesting because you, you would think that, you know, from a telehealth perspective, the younger group, it would skew more younger. 
simply because they're more used to being on phones and devices versus an older demographic. But that, that's actually really interesting to see. Well, I, and I can see your point on that, Chris. Yeah, the counter to that, though, is that um, sometimes it's easier to take a call from your pickup that's truck true. or sitting in your car, you know, or when you're outside sitting on a park bench rather than saying, I have to go to a doctor's appointment or whatever that might yeah. be. It Sometimes it's just easier to do it when you're out for a walk. And, and that was going to be my that was going to be my next follow up question mm-hmm. too is how often are they seeing and, and you just answered that so thank you right like that I think that's teletherapy and telehealth is is definitely something that's going to be a big trend I think moving forward especially in healthy work environments and mental health capacities and and, and the like so thanks for that I appreciate that so um, I think you know I I really like how how you're doing this discussion as part of the healthy work environment, you know, looking at the whole person. I'm, I'm excited to hear the other um, podcasts that you have coming out of this so I can get ideas of what to bring back here to PJ Dick, Trumbull, and the Lindy Group. Awesome. So my final question here is, so so you've been on this journey for a couple of years now, and, and I think you made the comment that it was a little tough at the beginning, you know, to get people to embrace it and open up or whatever. Did something happen or was it just the constant information and resources out there and the the way that you guys are always there for your workers. Yeah, it wasn't tough in terms of our leadership teams, you know, at all. I think it's just, again, culturally, you know, trying to get people to embrace the idea that talking about it can be helpful. You know, it's not for everyone. I wouldn't, you know, say that everyone is going to feel comfortable doing this. But I think, I think particularly coming out of the pandemic, the worst of the pandemic, and for people that, you know, realizing that there's still, you know, lingering stressors from that, as well as everything else that we've talked about, that there's been more um, acceptance of it. And I think that as people are doing it, and they're starting to talk about it, like, you know, give that number a call. Remember that card she handed out that has that weird QR code thing on it? Scan that with your phone. I don't know how it works, but there's somebody there that's going to pick up and talk to you. I think the anonymity for telehealth in some ways has been helpful around that, that it's just, I'm going to, you know, scan the card, and then somebody's going to be there to talk to me. It's that simple. And that's what's, I think, to add to what you said, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but <laughs> yeah, it's literally that simple. So mm-hmm. that's great. Well, Lisa, I, I want to thank you on behalf of John joining us today on the Building PA podcast. And as a listener uh, and a guest, always want to talk about the Keystone Contractor magazine as well. And so there's a lot of elements of this topic that are in previous issues and will continue to be in that future issues as well. So, you know, hopefully we can, we'll have you back on the podcast and talk a little bit more. Hopefully John won't be sick and uh, we'll all be, we'll be much more healthy. Yes. Be healthy. Be well. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you again, Lisa, for joining us. Great discussion and can't wait for the next, next time we have you on. Yeah, I appreciate it. I'm really proud of the work we're doing and appreciate all of the support that you and your teams of the podcast are are giving to this topic. Keep up the great work. Thank you for joining the Building PA podcast. To stay up to date, follow us on LinkedIn and Facebook and visit buildingpapodcast.com to subscribe to upcoming shows. Thanks for listening.